Welcome back to the Branch Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Potts, the head of school at Tall Oaks Academy. We're a classical Christian school in the Kenosha, Wisconsin area. And our aim with this podcast is very simply to be a resource to parents. Um, Because that's our aim, we cover a wide variety of different educational topics, both both in the realm of education, but also in the realm of parenting. Um, And I do want to say, if you have feedback for us, or if you you hear topics that you, or if you have an idea of topics that you want to hear us talk about, um, feel free to reach out to us at kenoshaoaks at gmail.com. Again, that's kenoshaoaks, O-A-K-S, at gmail.com. Um, We'd love to hear from you, and also if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd love to um, have you leave us a five-star review if you can. Um, Of course, only if you like what you hear. Um, And uh, that is just about it. So we uh, have two very special guests on for the podcast today, Dr. Tim and Dr. Jess Cummings. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thanks for having us, Brad. All right, so the topic for today, I've been really looking forward to talking about this. Um, Actually, two topics that we could probably spend probably 10 episodes on each. Um, So it's exercise (laughs) and nutrition in kids. So um, we are going to go through some introductions first before we get to that, though. So if you guys could just give us your background, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I guess I can go first. Um, So... Yeah, um, Jess and I met in PT school um, way back in the year 2007. So um, we started out as orthopedic uh, physical therapists working for just an outpatient orthopedic sports medicine clinic in 2010. And then um, got the crazy idea after having our third kid in 2016 that we wanted to start our own practice in our garage gym of all places. So. We started our own practice in 2017 called Restore Thrive, and we've been doing that for the last, I guess, five years now. Five years this June. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, my background, in addition to PT, I was a strength and conditioning coach for the better part of almost eight years before I went to PT school, and Jess was a pretty impressive athlete in her own right. We, we still haven't verified it, but I do think she has <laughs> a couple of uh, high school weightlifting records at uh, Elgin High School in uh, Elgin, Illinois. Still, so. still have a plaque on the wall and I everything? need to check. I haven't been back in a while. So, <laughs> And full disclosure, everybody, Brad is my brother. So this is an extra special episode. Uh, Brad, thanks for having us on because yeah. this is super fun. And this is great because, you know, we they always make a yearly trip in from Kansas City to spend, uh, you know, a little vacation here at the uh, family lake house. And mm-hmm. we always have good discussions. And I said, well, you know, how about we just record it this time? So yeah. they decided to come on. And, and again, we're going to cover the uh, topics of exercise and nutrition. And you guys have three kids of your own. We have three kids. So our oldest celebrates his 10th birthday Friday, which I cannot believe we've been parents for 10 years. That's insane. Somehow, somewhat. I feel really old, but I know there are people that have kids older than ours. So, <laughs> but yeah, so our oldest is 10. Um, our middle daughter just turned eight in May and our youngest is six in June. So in birthday season, just getting through that. Super fun, but super busy. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we are really, really passionate about both of these topics. Um, we've seen just a huge difference in our adult clients that we work with but also as a family with our own kids, with our friends' kids, as far as nutrition and exercise um, is concerned. So uh, yeah, Brad, thanks for having us on to chat about all these things. Yeah. We'll try and keep it 
brief so you guys yeah, are bored. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, just a disclaimer, this is a very brief overview yes. of these topics. Um, yes. happy, know, again, happy to give our contact info if you guys have additional questions. We'd be happy to respond to emails. So. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple foundational questions just on the front end before we get into some of the particulars. So the first thing I wanted us to talk about is almost the theology of exercise and nutrition. What, is, what does our God think about, you know, should we care for our bodies? Why should we care about um, caring for our bodies, whether it's exercise or nutrition, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. How would you guys answer that question? Uh, again, um, why, why should we teach our kids to care about their bodies? Why is it important to God? Yeah, I, I love that question. As I was thinking about that. The thing that really stands out to me that I have a conversation with my clients about all the time is we are made as integrated wholes, like body, mind, and soul, that all goes together. And each of those feed each other. And if we're going to thrive as the people that God has created us to be, we have to nurture all of those things. We're not just these, you know, ethereal spirits that are floating around. Right. We are earthbound people that have connections with the world around us, with the people around us as well. And our ability to care for ourselves on all of those levels deeply influences the way or the I guess maybe a better way to describe it is it deeply influences the quality of our life and, mm-hmm. and how we honor God and honor the people that he's put in our lives well yeah and the scripture tells us that our bodies are at the temple for the Holy Spirit yeah, so right. I think that is very relevant like we should care for what God has given us which is right. our body you know, our spiritual health our emotional health our relational health and our physical health so um, that includes how we move and the things we put in our body, which fuels mm. our body. Um, right. Every time we eat, it's a reminder that we need something outside of ourselves yeah, <laughs> to right. sustain our life. And right. it's not just food. That's just eating points to Jesus. So um, I think all those things are relevant. And, you know, this is a complicated question, to be honest, because, you know, what Tim and I have seen, we have gotten into um, functional medicine, integrative medicine in the last decade mm. now, I think, which has been absolutely life-changing for our personal health. So we're super, super passionate about, um, you know, eating clean, eating whole food and what that does to our mood and our sleep and our health. Like I've had, I'll be full disclosure, you know, history of autoimmune disease that is in remission that I control and manage with lifestyle that I no longer have to take medication for. So I'm really, really passionate about that. And I know, I mean, research says this, that we can change our health outcomes. Our genes are triggered by our lifestyle. And that includes a lot of things, not just food. You know, but certainly that this is complicated because, like, yes, we should care for ourselves, but sometimes we still do the best that we can and we have illness. And, yeah, right. you know, so there's that too. So I just want that out there. I don't want people to think that, like, you have control of everything because God is God. Yeah, and he is in right. control mm-hmm. of everything and sometimes Amen. things happen. And But I would always advocate, like, do the best you can to take care of yourself. And in general, you know, yeah. you're going to feel, look, and perform. As we always say in our physical therapy practice, you're going to feel, look, and perform your best. Right. when you are taking care of all those things. So. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. great points. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. speaking about stewardship, I mean, that's kind of where my mm-hmm. mind goes with this is, you know, we've been given physical bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything that we're given by the Lord, whether it's finances or a family, yep. kids, we ought to be good stewards mm-hmm. of them, right? So if yep. we have a physical body, well, God wants us to be a good steward of that body. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim, to your point, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's um, we are made made body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And um, you know, so it, it, there's this danger of getting into this like Gnostic 
sort mm-hmm. of overly spiritual mentality mm-hmm. you, that can happen in the church. I think it happens probably more common than we think. Yeah. Um, but to remember, yeah, no, God actually made something physical. God is spirit, but He created physical. Right. And that's important. There's relevance to that, like just as much as there is relevance to the spiritual side of things. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I will say, great. like we started um, Restore Thrive, so we have time with our clients because we love our clients. And when they come in, we don't just ask, well, what is your injury or what is your pain and why are you seeing me? It's, mm-hmm. well, how are you sleeping? Give me just a quick, you know, yeah. the last three days, what are you eating typically for each of your meals? Yeah. And how are you sleeping? How are you managing your stress? What do you do for movement? And we ask all of those things because it is super relevant to how quickly they're healing, maybe why they're not healing. Why do you keep having this recurrent, you know, injury yeah. come up or this recurrent pain? Um, it's relevant. And we previously didn't have the time to discuss all those things with our clients. And so you know, we feel that we should care the best for them and all of those things matter. So we have a time to get into all of those discussions and it's amazing how well people do when you bring all of that in. And, you know, yes, as PTs, like we address the physical and that's, you know, our specialty, but when we bring all those other things into and teach people how to manage their stress and, you know, hey, you're sleeping five hours a night and maybe not even all at once, like, tell me about that. How can yeah. we improve your sleep quality? You know, it's amazing how well people do. So that matters with our kids. You know, we treat right. adults in our practice. We are not, full disclosure, we are not pediatric PTs, but we have done a lot of research on movement in kids and we are parents and, you know. Well, you kind of are pediatric PTs, just having kids. <laughs> just I mean, yeah. Through, yeah. Raising our three children. Yeah. That's just how it goes. I yeah. think our, our doctorate degrees in PT honestly really don't matter. We're, we're parents. That's what matters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that gives us the relevancy to be on this podcast, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just one other foundational question, kind of directing this now to kids. Um, in your experience, as you start thinking about health and, you know, both of these, yes, exercise and nutrition, but just health in general, how do you start talking to your kids about that? Because, of course, we want to pass on that lifestyle and that habit to kids. You know, one of the things that we talk about within a classical model is not just incentivizing certain behaviors like behavior modification, but yep. instead building habits. Mm-hmm. And that, that's completely different, right? And that takes repetition and time mm-hmm. and, and critical conversations. So what do you guys do to kind of just start passing that on to your kids? So once your kids start cruising and learning how to walk, you, we talk about this in terms of basic human movement. You could think of it as physical core competencies. There's walking, balancing, running, lifting, carrying, being able to jump and land. Skipping. Skipping hopping. would be another one. But just in terms of like, you know, the basics in terms of how people negotiate or kids negotiate around their environment and then the other things that they learn how to do. Swimming is one of those things. And this is another one that I think some parents don't think about, but self-defense is another just kind of core thing. It's learning about how to be environmentally aware of your surroundings and how to protect yourself. And it, I've had this conversation with, with a bunch of parents and more and more parents are getting their kids involved in things like self-defense classes, mm-hmm. martial arts, things like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, Jess and I have talked about this in terms of, you know, trying to keep our parental expectations or desires in check, you know, not wanting our to live out our athletic dreams through our kids. And so, <laughs> you know, we talk about, all right, if we're trying to just give kids core competencies physically it would be these type of things and if you think about it it's like know how to move your body around make sure that you're drown proof and you know how to defend yourself yeah like yeah the basics right well and i think doing that through play too you know like this does not have to be a thing that you formally put your kids through it's just hey if you haven't asked them to skip like 
go out in the backyard, you know, teach them how to do these things. And, you know, we've had our kids in swim lessons for a while now. And, you know, grandma and grandpa in Kansas City have a pool. Grandma and grandpa here in <laughs> Chicago have a lake house. You know, they, they have to be able to swim. That's really, really important. Well, gymnastics so, is a great yeah, thing and, to get kids involved in for that. Body awareness, yes. balancing, learning how to you know, basically orient themselves in a, a variety of positions. Well, and it's controlling your body through range, teaching them to be flexible, but having the strength through all of that range, which, you know, they, and they do a lot of things in gymnastics too that I think is really important. So, you know, that's some of the, you know, back to your original question, that's some of the physical component of how do you teach kids to take care of themselves? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do as parents to, you know, ingrain these things in your kids? And I, and I just think, you know, so much of it is us. Like we set the tone and the example and when your lifestyle is just, hey, we prioritize sleep, we prioritize good nutrition, we prioritize movements, your kids see that. Like, you know, some, right. sometimes I, I need a moment in the gym when I'm exercising by myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that probably happens more often than not. But, you know, we do ask our kids to come out in our gym with us as well. And or if they ask, you know, I take a breath because <laughs> I really don't want them out there. But I take a breath and it's like, sure, come on out with me. Yeah. And I try and include them in what I'm doing because for them, that's just normal. Well, mom and dad take care of themselves. They exercise. They do something right. in the gym. We, you know, or we'll go out and play with them. We've been talking about getting a basketball hoop. We don't have one. You know, and, and these aren't things that you need. It's just how can we create things that are play for our family that, you know, allow us to interact with each other and have fun but are also good for us physically too. And then there's, you know, kind of, again, back to your original question about, you know, ingraining these habits in our kids with food. Um, You know, Tim came up with this years ago and I love it. It's talking about strong food and weak food Hmm. because you don't want to villainize. Like you don't want to teach your kids to have a complex and that's a thing too. So that's where you have to be careful. Like, you know, oh, this is bad for us or, oh, this is a cheat day. You hear adults do that. And we really try not to do that. It's, you know, hey, sure, we can have this food. But, you know, this is a weaker food. And if you don't feel great, like, your choice. You know, we, we try to teach them you have to make these choices and you have to figure out how you feel because eventually they're not going to have us and they're going to be out on their own. Yeah. And what choices are they going to make? So, right. Right. yes, we are That's the parents. Helpful. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. yeah. And, I mean, Brad, you know this, but we, like, I have some um, gluten intolerance problems genetically. Mm-hmm. I happen to have genetic testing, so I know this about myself. I know the two genes I have. I know my kids are going to get one of those. That's just mm-hmm. how it works right. you know, science-wise. Right. So we're careful with that, and we talk to our kids about that. Like, hey, we, we know this about ourselves medically, so this is why we choose to not do these things most of the time. Um, so so it's, it's tricky and it's complicated, but I think, you know, we do the best that we can to have those conversations with our kids and to explain, not just... You have to do this, and this is why. But, hey, we make these choices, and this is why. You're not feeling well. We're going to go to bed a little extra early. Sleep is really important for recovery, you know, and just teaching them in the midst of, you know, conversation and in life, I think. so. Yeah, great. All right, so you want to get into the practicals and the particulars? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go down the exercise, specifically (laughs) the exercise rabbit hole. Um, and, and you've, you've kind of hit on this already, but if there is anything else you would add to this, then go ahead and add to it. But when we're thinking about parenting, um, from younger ages, then as they get older and then into the high school ages, and then once mm-hmm. they leave the home, how does that, how would you view that? And I know you don't have kids in the high school age yet. You know, you have kids that are older than our kids, but, but we have been high school athletes, but you so. have been high school athletes. Yes. So <laughs> how would you say that, that, um, that parenting, would maybe change over time, specifically within the realm of exercise. What do you focus on at really young ages? And then, 
you know, you mentioned gymnastics earlier, kind of the core, mm-hmm. the, the basics. Um, but is there anything else you would add to that just as you help them through that process as they get older? Yeah, I think there is definitely, there are stages that you have to consider in terms of what your kids are going to be involved in. And like we talked about early on, it's opportunity. That's all you're trying to give them is opportunity to explore the widest range of activities from a physical perspective. Okay. And we know that that makes a difference as you get into high school and even into like college and professional ranks as well. I've been fortunate enough to talk with and work with a a number of former collegiate and professional athletes. And we have a conversation regularly about what was life like for you when you were growing up in terms of the sports you were involved in. And to a man, most of the highest level performers did something else before they got to that highest level of performing. Okay. They didn't specialize. Even in high school, they played at least one other sport, if not two. And it was interesting, just in the aside, I saw this, I think it was two years ago, there was an article about the University of Alabama's football team in terms of their recruiting strategy. They were intentionally recruiting players for their team that played football and ran track as well. Like to the degree that if you had two players that are exactly alike, if one ran track and one didn't, they would recruit the track athlete. Oh, wow, okay. So Well, and the research shows this. When you are a multi-sport athlete, you are a better athlete. Yeah, <laughs> like even yeah. when you specialize in one sport. So when kids are really, really young, I would just encourage them. It's not just sports. Like introduce them to all sports. You don't have to force them into playing anything. It can just be play in the backyard. It can be pickup sports. It can be let's go to the creek and balance on the logs. Right. And walk, you know, just things like, like use nature, use what God has given us. Um, but then, you know, of course, kids are going to have their specialty, you know, sports too, or the things that they love more. And we see that in our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids individually, like our youngest is just getting into soccer, and that's kind of been our seasonal sport. We've done you know, one gymnastics class a week when they were real little, Aiden did Taekwondo. Um, so there's just some different things, but you know, they're, they're going to want to specialize at some point or have their favorite sport. And I think the most important thing we can do as parents is to encourage them. Like, that's great. You can play this, but when they're in elementary school, like you still have to do other sports Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you have to have off time. You have to do something else as well. This may not be your favorite. That's okay. Um, figure out what their friends are doing. It's more fun to be involved in something when you have friends too. So even if it's not their favorite sport or their favorite thing to do, you know, encourage them to go be social and have fun and hang out with their friends. Yeah, that's a good point. When you look at the surveys of kids in terms of why they want to play a sport, it doesn't have really anything to do with winning at all. It's their friends play it, it's fun, and they're good at it. Like those are the things that drive them. And you see that across like the childhood research in terms of physical activity and competition. So I think that's another big piece is let your kids drive that. Like they'll tell you what they're interested in. And I don't think you really need to worry about having them specialize or get into a club team unless they show that drive to do that. And that's where I think a lot of parents get frustrated is they care more than their kids do. And that's when you start Mm -hmm. to see that clash between you know parents and kids in well, terms of driving that train. Absolutely, and as PTs, we see this obviously on the injury side of things, um, sure. where the earlier you specialize, the more overuse injuries your kids have. And you know, no offense, parents, but we have crazy parents thinking that, well, I'm going to get my kid involved in golf at three years old, and they're going to be Tiger Woods. Yeah. Or that's probably aging me, who's the newest, latest. Yeah, tiger's still relevant. <laughs> is tiger still relevant? <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, but, you know, and, but really that, that's not the case. And the research has shown that. I mean, like Tim was saying earlier, the multi-sport athletes, you're talking to Kansas City people, Patrick Mahomes, 
played too. So I mean, football came later, and look how amazing he is. I yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, this is why this is why like a Michael Jordan can go from basketball to baseball. Totally. Now, obviously, yeah. he wasn't Which, the greatest baseball player, but you know, you can yeah. actually play high level ball. Yeah, because you're an athlete. Right. Yes. I mean, I don't know what yes. statistically how many athletes actually can do that or would be as successful mm-hmm. as maybe he was in doing that, but. Yeah, you know, I yep. think that yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. Well, yep. yeah, to steer back to that conversation about you know how we, you want to raise your kids through kind of primary education, one of the things that that we talk about with our clients is making them a generalist. Mm. Like the idea of athleticism, one of the best summaries that I've ever heard of athleticism is that athleticism is basically the ability to move seamlessly and effortlessly through space Mm. combining primal movement patterns to accomplish a known or a novel task how long did it take you to memorize that like (laughs) two weeks it still impresses me we've been married 13 years that's (laughs) good so so the idea is it's it's combining those those primal movements like we talked about and other things like upper body pressing, pushing horizontally, vertically, squatting, hinging, stepping, lunging, being mm-hmm. able to sprint, being able to change directions, like that's sport. And the more generally capable you are of doing all of those things, you become what we call a good athletic problem solver. So when you start to specialize, when the competition starts to ramp up, you've got the broad base of general athleticism that you can use to solve those more advanced problems. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's exactly how we think in terms of education in a classical approach, too. Mm -hmm. We think, okay, we're going to train you how to think, how to think critically, how to think clearly, how to problem solve, and we're not necessarily going to train you in all the technical things yet. But as you get older, then eventually that will come because Mm -hmm. you can train somebody technically pretty quickly if you have a foundation of something to build on all of that stuff comes really really quickly you bet which is, i mean that's exactly same the same sport. philosophy same for us sport. so well and i would love to get more into and it's funny that i'm a female saying this but into the weightlifting conversation because i love to lift and i was introduced to that when i was 15 15 even in my freshman year of high school i had to to play volleyball and that was, you know, I started specializing in high school. Um, that was the sport I loved best. And so didn't specialize though until I was in high school. And we had a strength coach, it was required, and I ended up loving it. And I saw what it did to my sport performance in volleyball. And I was like, I can hit a lot harder and jump a lot higher. This yeah. is great, I'll keep doing this. And so to this day, I still love that. Mm-hmm. But that's a question that we actually get asked professionally a lot is when should my kids, you know, start, is it bad when they're little kids to do that? Or, you know, younger, like elementary school age. And so Tim, I think you're, you're more of the expert to speak to that on me, but it's earlier than you would think. And it's great for us and it's great for females. So parents hear that it's not just our boys that we want to strengthen, it's our females as well. And that's a great segue into, I mean, the next question, a very specific question, you know, when should we get our kids actually like Mm -hmm. into the weight room? When is that appropriate? I mean, I know over the years I've heard various things about that. So Mm -hmm. from your guys' research, what would you say? When when would be it? And maybe it's different for each kid. Maybe it's based off of when they start asking. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But what would you guys say to that? And there is always, you know, a personalized approach to things. But The law of individuality. We're all different but the same. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I think in general, you want to start thinking about that when kids get into kind of that junior high, you know, age, like right before adolescence, you really want to make sure that they understand how to move well. And that's what we find the weight room is really helpful for. If you have a good coach, they're going to learn how to move well because good weight training is just reinforcing good posture and position, learning how to manage their bodies, learning how to manage an external load. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, really helpful for sports as well, 
I think the other thing worth commenting on too is there's a lot of mythology around weight training and kids. Like one of the big ones I remember hearing when I was a kid was like, if you start lifting weights too early, it's going to stunt your growth. I've heard that's that not one. actually yep. true. Okay. Yeah. False. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not going to you know stunt your bone development or anything like that. In fact, we know that like when you're doing strength training and you know with the kids that we've worked with in the past, we always start with body weight. Like, do you understand how to move? your own body through space. And we can do that in a way that challenges the muscular system. The really interesting thing about that is hormonally, that really helps kids in terms of development, in terms of muscle mass, bone density. We know, especially for girls, bone density is a huge thing. And we, I know Jess, you talk about that with a lot of your adult female Mm -hmm. clients, that like strength training is the name of the game when you get into young adulthood because the bone and the muscle that you lay down in your 20s and 30s is what's going to you know really usher you through the second half of your life. Mm. And so you have a real window of opportunity especially in terms of just establishing that love of movement and exercise early on to do a lot of good for your girls but also boys as well, you know. When I think about kids too, they grow so fast. You know, you go through these growth spurts and if you are an athlete, sometimes, you know, the change in the length tension relationship, you know, between the muscle and the bone, when you have a growth spurt, it can really affect your athletic ability because now your body is trying to figure out, well, how do I contract this muscle now, you know, and do that efficiently because I just grew three inches and, you know, and every kid is different. Sometimes there's more of a kind of a linear growth pattern. And sometimes kids like, you know, and and I had a friend in particular in high school. um, I remember that she grew so fast had multiple knee dislocations. And yes, we know that genetics play a component in our laxity and just things like that. You know, the shape of our kneecaps and the groove it goes in. I mean, there are changes there, but I look back and I'm like, gosh, if we had been doing some sort of strength training, would that have actually helped her avoid mm. some of these injuries? And yeah. so it's not just that. That's just one you know example that kind of pops into my head just from my own personal experience when we were younger. Because yeah. again, I didn't start strength training until high school. So this would have been middle school basketball and volleyball that I was playing with this particular friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, that matters and it can affect that as well. So. Well, and just a, a pearl with that too, in terms of childhood development too, we know that every kid is going to go through a phase of what's called peak height velocity. That's where they're gaining the most height and putting on the most weight as well. Mm-hmm. And that's usually an 18 month period. So that's a good thing to be connected with a good pediatrician as well so you can keep track of that because we're going to see as you start to gain height and like Jess you were talking about as your limbs get longer what's going to happen is your brain has to figure out how to organize your body as well and that a lot of times what you'll see is actually kids get worse in terms of sports and Mm -hmm. just general movement because now they've got to relearn how to move their bodies right. that are so much bigger and longer. Yeah. So yeah. And they go through the whole process again. <laughs> yeah. They start yeah. to look uncoordinated and parents can get frustrated. They're just like, well, why can't you do this now? You used to be such a great athlete and yeah. now you're taller and shouldn't like tall people be more athletic? And it's like, well, if you don't formally like re- retrain that, a lot of times kids lose that. And it's really frustrating for the kids too mm-hmm. because they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And I think parents get frustrated too. And so that's... That's where I think you know having a good having a good coach, whether it's a good PE teacher, whether it's a good coach that you have for your sport team as well, who can just focus on the basics. I think we get so so captured by the novelty of the things that we see on TV, mm-hmm. you know, with athletic training or right. on social media now. We forget that with kids, the basics are the basics for a reason, and really all the way through high school. 
you really don't have to do any sports specific training in the weight room. Like that's your opportunity to develop a base level of strength and movement competency. Mm -hmm. And if you have that going into your adult life, like you have a leg up because you'll be set up very well. We see that in college and even in the pros, like if that's not established, like that just gets kicked down the road. Like your college strength and conditioning coaches are really just trying not to injure you. And then if you, happen to be one of the fortunate few to get to the pros, it's the same thing. You're getting paid millions of dollars. They're not going to try anything new. They're not going to push you because you've already succeeded. And their whole deal to keep their job is just to make sure that you don't get hurt or they don't hurt you in the weight room. This is a really good time to mention stats to parents. So what is it? One to 3% of high school athletes go on to play in college. And 1% of those athletes go on to play professionally. So if you are like gearing your kid, like I just want him to get a scholarship and I'm not saying that's not important. If your kid loves this thing, by all means, please encourage. It's okay to support their dreams, but I think it's very important to have a conversation of, so what's your backup plan? (laughs) And that will be, you know, just, we do this for a living. So we know these stats, but like if our kids come to us and say, I want to do this in college, or I'm going to be this, you know, professional athlete, okay, I'll probably smile and in my head think, all right, but we're going to have plan B and plan C. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because we know the likelihood of that happening. I don't have to tell my kid that, but the likelihood of that happening is not great. And the most important thing with sport and with movement is that it's fun. You want to teach play. You want them to have a good time because they will be, we see this a lot. Um, because again, working with mostly adults, you know, we end up seeing people who are injured Mm -hmm. and two things back to what we were talking about before being uncoordinated. They never were in the weight room. They weren't an Mm -hmm. athlete and they come in and they have all this movement related pain and injury because they don't pay attention to their posture and how they pick things up. They don't know how to brace their core, their core. And it ends up, I mean, some of the stuff we teach, and again, I do this for a living. So to me, it's probably basic, but it's basic. It's how to squat properly, how to pick something up heavy, you know, how to pick up your kid and it makes all the difference in the world. And then you have people, you know, again, that were never athlete, they're not coordinated but there's people that burnt out in their sport and they never exercise again, right. you know, and they right. start putting on a lot of weight. They don't value nutrition. And so we kind of see both of those things and you don't want that for your kids. You want to be instilling healthy movement patterns so that again, like Tim was saying, this carries through till they're 80 mm-hmm. or 90, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, going back to what we were just talking about in terms of, you know, development, athletic development over time, we always think that somebody else is going to pick mm-hmm. up that, that job and help mm-hmm. our kids. And mm-hmm. what we're starting to realize is it's really important for parents to lead the way in that because yeah. there is not a standard right now in the strength and conditioning community, in the coaching community, in terms of athletic development for children. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where we see a lot of low hanging fruit that gets missed. Like we've talked about today, just, mm-hmm. you know, developing good movers. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I think, you know, it, it's a real opportunity for parents and there are a lot of great resources out there, um, in terms of coming up with ideas to help your kids get more active and understand how to move well. And that, like we've been talking about, makes all the difference in the world, not only just from a physical development standpoint, but like we've talked about an athletic and an emotional standpoint and a spiritual Mm -hmm. standpoint as well. Like that develops great confidence and self-efficacy. Yeah. in a child when you teach them how to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, 
Right, yeah. So just knowing that we have some parents here that maybe missed the boat as they were growing up. Yeah. They didn't build, you know, they didn't or they didn't have the opportunity to build this foundation themselves, but they want that for their kids. They're listening to this and they're saying, "Yeah, okay, I want to get my kid in the weight room. I want to do that practically speaking. What should the, what should we be having our kids start to do in the weight room? Should we squats, mm-hmm. deadlifts, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, go, go through the list of functional exercises that they should be doing. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned lunges. Yeah. Um, and, and then also maybe connected to this, I know we could say, okay, we're going to get them in there doing those things, but how do we make sure that they are doing it properly yes. and safely as well? Right. It's kind of a lot. I know it's a loaded question. <laughs> we're talking a lot here, but like, yeah, I want right. to make sure like, okay, if we're practically getting them in to the weight room, Mm-hmm. We don't want to injure them at a young age, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, how, how do we how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like we talked about early on, I think you know having some resources like a good coach or having resources taking advantage of this information age we live in mm-hmm. um, it is really helpful too. I would say for parents who are looking for online resources that are helpful, two that I've found are really helpful. One is the Brand X method. Um, Jeff and Mickey Martin, they're out on the West Coast. They um, actually were pulled in by CrossFit over a decade ago to do CrossFit Kids. And so they've, they're no longer affiliated with CrossFit, but their big thing is what we've been talking about. It's childhood development. It's age-appropriate exercise okay. as well. They have a ton of free kind of workout templates and kind of play templates for kids based on age. They really encapsulate all these different movements that we're talking about. So that's, I think, a really useful resource, especially for parents who are thinking more in that kind of athletic realm. If you have a kid who's interested in sports, um, Jeff and Mickey do a really good job of incorporating all those kind of primal movements that we talked about in their training. So that's a really good online resource. One of the other um, groups that I've worked with and done some consulting with, MoveNat, um, that's M-O-V-N-A-T, um, that is a company that was started by a Frenchman, Erwan Lacour, about 10 years ago. Um, and it uses a, a very old 19th century um, practice called Method Naturale, which was the way that the French military was trained mm. to be ready for combat. Mm. But what it uses is all those developmental things that we just talked through. It's like, do you understand how to balance, how to run, how to lift and carry, defend yourself, swim, those type of things. Um, That's really helpful. So MoveNet has on their website, it's just, I think it's movenet.com. Again, a bunch of just free workouts. It's got video instruction as well. Just simple things. The thing that I like about MoveNet is it's very low equipment, you know, in terms of the demand there. It's learning how to use your body first. And so those are great online resources. I think past that, you know, what you want to look at is, you know, the experience that your coaches have had in terms of working with kids, you know, what type of background do they have? You know, certainly there's the, the health and safety side of things that, you know, gets checked off the list if you have a volunteer coach, but you also want to look at how the coach is thinking about training your kids, you know, and I think some red flags to look out for are like, are they competing every day? You know, Mm -hmm. like we talked about, there's a real need for kids to have downtime. There's a real, you know, need for kids to just become competent movers. And if every day is a competition, a lot of times that leads to burnout and injuries with kids. Um, so I think that that's a, an important thing to think about as well. You know, some of the other basics that I think all of us know about, like warming up and cooling down. Mm. Do the kids 
you know, just as simple as run a couple yeah. laps, you know, do some things like you were talking about, Brad. Do they do some squats? Do they do yeah. maybe some planks where they're just, you know, in that top push-up position, you know, to warm their bodies up, to get them ready to do something that's more physically demanding. And then at the end, like, do they cool themselves down? Do they stretch out? For We know it only takes four minutes to get your body into recovery mode if you just do four minutes of static stretching. Mm. Do you spend the four minutes to just do a little bit of like feeding and watering of your body, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it can be really, really simple like that, especially if you're talking about grade school age kids. And then past that, if you're getting into that junior high and high school setting, you want somebody, I would be looking for people who have letters behind their names like CSCS, that's Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, Mm. CPT, Certified Personal Trainer. Those um, are certifications that are um, given out through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, And they have very high standards in terms of the people who get those tests. You can't even sit for the CS uh, CS unless you have a four-year degree in an exercise science related field. Oh, wow. Okay. So funny story. When I met Tim in PT school, I was like, oh, a CS, like a personal trainer, right? And I did not realize how highly offensive that was. <laughs> and no offense to personal trainers. If there's those of you listening, you know, many of them are wonderful, but you know, there are like weekend certifications you can get too. So, um, yeah. And, and I would add to that an ATC. Yeah. An athletic, athletic trainer. trainer. They are amazing. And they are the guys or gals that, um, work with high school athletes too. And I think, you know, I know it's an investment. We've talked about a lot of free resources online, but find someone in this area in Kenosha. We can do a little research for you if you want us to leverage our connection. Since we don't live here, I'm sorry. I have no like names to give you, (laughs) but you know, there are wonderful people. It's never a bad idea to pay for a little while to have your kid work with somebody so they can learn these things. Um, you know, a lot of, we work with personal trainers in the Kansas city area. Sometimes it is teaching when to catch red flags and movements because Mm -hmm. As PTs, that's kind of our specialty. You know, um, personal trainers are in some of those other fitness professionals are better at like how do you get someone fit or how do you really challenge them and push them. It's not always the quality of movement, and that's you know really really important to ingrain early on so you prevent injuries and you prevent pain and things like that down the road as adults. So um, I would just advocate for you know find someone in this area who works with high school athletes and has, you know, a great background and, you know, can do this. And, you know, I think that's always a worthy investment. It does not have to mean that your kid, you know, that you're paying for individualized training forever, but I think it's, you know, worth it to invest in your kid if that's their interest. And, you know, you really want to make sure they're going to get a quality outcome. So, yeah, I feel like it doesn't take too long to really learn those basics of like how to navigate the gym. I mean, Tim, I I worked with you for a little bit, you know, I worked through a program that you had developed and you know, I, I needed to be told what to do initially, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't follow that program anymore. But when I go into the gym now, I mean, what we, I did that for maybe six months to yeah. a year. And now I at least know how to navigate things. I know what I need to do for, you know, functional movement, mm-hmm. how to do the basics. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't look lost when I'm, when I go into the gym <laughs> and I feel, you know, I don't feel uncomfortable. I know what to do to make myself feel better. Yeah. So yeah. yeah I, think I remember kids great. are sponges. So if right. it's easy for they us, are. right, kids will pick it up like that, which is awesome. So. All right. Well, that gets us to the end of our episode. Dr. Tim, Dr. Jess, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks and for having us on. This was great. Yeah. Uh, we hope it was really practical. There were a lot of things that I, I think that you can put into practice right away. So you do have your marching orders. So go ahead and get busy raising the next generation the right way.